my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy. Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy. Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy. Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that, Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy. Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that. Kore Tefano, and thank you very much for tuning in to another episode of Code with Kingy. Where for this go around, I'm sharing the microphone with a USA international player. Uh, former Blue and former Hurricane, and most recently captain of the Southland Stags, that being Tony Van Bourne. First of all, Cars, before I crack into the questions, just want to say thank you very much for your time and how's life? Yeah, no, all good. Um, yeah, life's good. Yeah, um, a little bit more cruisy now, uh, not playing Super Rugby or anything anymore. So, yeah, I've started a business and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah, it's been a little bit more cruisy, but on the other side of things, um, yeah, it can be pretty stressful and pretty hectic mm-hmm. um, running running your own company. But um, nah, it's it's been good. All right, bro. Talk a little bit about that. So you're running a business of, and from some of the homework that I've done, it, it's a building company. So how did you even get that up and going while you were in the midst of a rugby career? Well, yeah, I just, uh, when I first, I left school quite young and um, 16, I think. And oh, yeah, wow. I went, yeah. And uh, I started building apprenticeship with Michael Pete. And then I moved up to Hawke's Bay in 2008 and my dad was just like, bro, like if you're going to give this rugby thing a serious crack, then you need to get something behind you to fall back on if it doesn't work out or even, you know, when you retire, then you've got that. So basically, yeah, like um, kind of getting towards the end of my career and looking looking to retire soon. Uh, and I just thought I would start this um, building company and um yeah, it's over the last year, it's gone from just myself to uh, five builders. And uh, yeah, I've built quite a few houses now and um, yeah, it's taking off. So uh, yeah, it's called Limitless Construction. So if you're in Hawke's Bay and um, you need a new whare built, then um, hit me up. We're uh, quality. <laughs> noted, bro, noted. I'll make sure to pass it on for any of the homies up your way. But yeah, like you said, you obviously like left school quite early. And I mean, like, like you said, you, you've got you've got the whole building thing going on as you're coming towards the end of your career. But with that, though, like a player of your caliber, like you said, you've played super rugby. Has there been any opportunities for you to even like do a preseason with any of the super teams or have there been contracts on offer over in Japan or over in the States? Like I know that you took off to the States at one stage of your career, which we'll get to. But for you right now, just given like the sort it's, of space that you're in, is it more a like decision to actually look more towards what you're going to get into once you finish up with playing for the Stags and whatnot, then, you know, maybe it's not so much not having opportunities, but it's almost like picking, you know, what's sort of at the top of the priority list right now. Yeah. Um, no, I had opportunities to, to um, do uh, like a preseason with one, one of the super rugby teams and another one was, um, was a full-time gig towards, yeah, like kind of happened right at the last minute, but, um, yeah, it just wasn't quite. I'd already made up my mind. Like I was, I was kind of done with the rugby full time side of things. Um, I knew that it was time to stop being so selfish because my wife and my kids have followed me around everywhere, and um, yeah, it just wasn't fair on them to continue doing that. And uh, but just yeah, my love. Like I, I, I feel like I've been there and done that, and like I've accomplished those goals. So the rugby thing wasn't. Yeah, the full time like the super rugby thing wasn't that passion wasn't there for me anymore. Like I still enjoy rugby, but my body just is too sore, can't take it mm. um all year round anymore. So other people might say otherwise, but for me, nah I'm 
yeah, um, I feel comfortable just playing NPC from now on and um, for the next, you know, who knows, maybe two or three years. But um, for now, it's just I'll focus on playing again this year. But yeah, I think I'll just take it year by year. Mm-hmm. That I guess that's one of the things that I've always been curious about, bro. Because um, obviously we, we, we see the likes of yourself on TV and whatnot. And I guess the perception is, is that, okay, you're playing rugby all year round life's great because you're getting paid to play a game but for those that you know I've got a couple of mates who've been lucky enough to crack it like you have and the the reality is unless you're like an all black who's scoring tries for fun every weekend you know you're having to pick up and move and change teams and unless you're like an individual where you have no dependents and no partner you know that's probably a little bit easier but like you said for someone like yourself who's getting towards the tail end of his career who's got a family you can't just go between the Highlanders and then go to the Blues and then go back to Invercargill yeah. and then go to the Hurricanes. Like it's not that easy, yeah. you know, because kids, kids want to settle, your wife's got a job and whatnot. So, I mean, like talk, talk us through like that with you, like, cause have you not to um, pry bro, but have you been with your partner long and like, how do you even like have those sort of conversations with the people you love being like, okay, I love my rugby and I love you, but you know, you sort of have to find a middle ground. Yeah, I guess like she, um, we've been together since uh, I was 19 and so I'm 30 now. So yeah, 11 years. So um, we've been together a long time and, you know, like she knew that this was my passion, my dream, all of that. So um, when we decided to kind of start dating and stuff like that, or even when it got more serious and got married, um, she knew that, um, like she said to me, like I'm committed to like, you know, Mm. doing whatever it takes to help fulfill your dreams so she's been amazing in that in that aspect of um, the whole thing but um yeah it's just time to, I can just see how much it it is hard on her and the kids and stuff like that and my boys now at school and my youngest ones he's uh just turned one but um you know like just some um normality and stability in their lives be good with the with the super rugby thing I was never one of the superstars or anything like that so I was I've always been a battler so yeah it's I've never been able to be that guy that could just pick and choose wherever he wanted to go at the NPC level um I could pride myself in being good at that level and stuff like that and maybe at that level I could potentially have I've had a few you know options throughout my career and multiple offers and stuff like that but um in terms of super rugby nah it was just there was just the one or the two offer and it was just um yeah, make up your mind. Um, I've had a couple offers um, to go play in France. Um, nothing in Japan. I've never had any offers from Japan, but I always said that that was one place I wanted to go there or France. But um, yeah, I guess if it was some kind of ridiculous offer, then it would be a yes. But at this stage, no, nah, it's just it's not even it's not even in the picture. Yeah. So um, no, nah, like I said earlier, it's just about being um, how do how do I say it? Just like unselfish you know like just yeah. Yeah, giving my, my wife and my kids more time and making them have the choice of what we're up to instead of just me making the calls and everything yeah bro so why do you decide to treat your wife and your family to Invercargill it's not the most well, attractive so I, place bro <laughs> nah so I was with the magpies like playing grew up here playing for my my team here Havelock North um they made the magpies and played for them for uh I think six six or seven years and then I went over I went overseas, went and played for San Diego and New Orleans and MLR. Um and I had a contract offer in the UK to go to um Newcastle Falcons in the premiership. And um pretty close to linking the deal 
and um, and then my mum called me up and said that she had cancer. So at that stage, I just was like, nah, family's everything to me. So I just rang the coach and said, nah, this is not the deal for me, not the right timing right now. I told him the reason he was obviously understanding you'd have to be some kind of prick if you didn't want to, yeah. <laughs> if you were like, nah, I'm not hearing you. But um, yeah, and I went home and at that stage, the Magpies pretty much had all their contracts and um, could only offer me a minimum deal. And I was very fortunate uh, with the Magpies. They, they, I was on a big contract at a young age, so I was very lucky. And um, financially, that just wasn't the right option for me. And I am a loyal man, and I, I, I love the Magpies, and they still are definitely in my blood. But um, yeah, it just wasn't going to work for me financially. So uh, agent went and put his fingers out, and I had a, quite a few offers. Um, South and Stags weren't necessarily the more money or the better contract. I just like it, the contract was good enough for for us as a family, but um, it was more like I've got a like passion for growth and like making a change, and mm. so I wanted to be a part of that. And I knew that the Stags had had a few rough seasons, so I wanted to be a massive contributing factor to like the the winning a winning culture or something like that. Um, I heard that you know like whispers that their culture was pretty average and stuff like that and and I'm all, I'm big on culture so I wanted to go down there and, and make a difference and that was 2018 and then 19 I went to the World Cup and so I'm then signed with the Blues and then re-signed with the Stags. Um, Magpies have been trying to get me back every year but um, I've just I've pretty much just committed I'm just fully committed to the Stags and they look after me really well and I actually we actually love it down there for, um, you know, we go down there for three or four months of the year and we actually love it. Eh? Like, oh, I'm not really a flashy type person, so I don't really need the city life and stuff like that. So I enjoy going down there, going hunting on our days off or go golfing with the boys or go down the river. Yeah, just stuff like that, man. It puts life into perspective. It's, yeah, it's not all about the bits and glamour and um, all the flashy things. It was, I actually really, yeah, we love it down there. Absolutely, bro. Yeah, I've heard that. Um, so I, I actually used to work in basketball, and so it's quite cool. Like they've got the the Hissing Stadium down there, and the community gets around a lot of their sports. So like you said, um, the Southland Stags um, haven't been renowned for the greatest of results as of late, bro. Sorry to bring that up, but you know the, the crowds are always there, and like if you meet anybody from Southland, like you know they're Southland until they die, sort of thing. I mean, like most provinces are like that, but you find in those more sort of rural areas of the country or you know nooks and crannies that um yeah they get right in but um right in behind their teams bro and as you mentioned like at the time that you first arrived there the culture wasn't the greatest so sort of talk us through that because i i know with the likes of you and dale mcleod you know like the programs come a long long way i, I know they were in a bit of a financial crisis at some stage but it seems like everything's, you know, getting back up and going and you're attracting the likes of, you know, um, Solomon Alamalo's there now. Um, you had Marty Banks come through last year, you know, the cult heroes. So, yeah, I, I know you said that you're, you're big on culture and you're big on, you know, implementing positive changes. But like when you first turned up, were you like, holy shit, like this is a big job ahead? Um, not necessarily, eh? Because um, when, I, when I got there, I wasn't the one. I wasn't um, the captain or anything like that. So my first year, I kind of just took it all on board. We didn't win a game, and that was one of the first teams I'd ever been in that hadn't like it had been really um, successful. Um, and so, um, and I'd been in plenty of like successful teams. Well, I played yeah, 
played for one of Super Rugby title for the Hurricanes and and that we had a great culture, it was an amazing culture. And Magpies were really successful a number of years in a row. And our, again, our culture was unreal. So it clicked to me that, you know, we needed to have a really good culture. And um, so it wasn't it wasn't like a really um, like toxic um, culture or anything like that. It was just you just get your individuals that can be that can be a little bit toxic, but not not an overall thing. It wasn't toxic. I think it just needed some little minor changes, and everyone to buy into it. And so yeah, in 2020, when they offered me to be skip, I said to them that yeah, but I want like our preseason to be quite focused on, like you know, get the boys nice and fit before we go to camp. And so when we have camp, let's just focus on us and build on. You know, not looking back on what the past has been and what's happened in the past. It's just about us moving forward. And, and we, we had our own thing saying, you know, like uh, building our own culture and, yeah, stuff like that. So what does that look legacy like? Well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just touched on legacy. Um, but, I mean, like, culture is a bit of a broad term. And I don't mean to, to dig too deep into it, bro. But, like, can you talk us through maybe some of the little changes or the big changes that have happened over the past couple of years to where we've now seen a shift with the stags where even just like rocking up to games because I know myself I mean I, I've gone through waves with the rugby teams that I've played and where I've been in quite successful teams and then I've been in some unsuccessful teams and like you said sometimes it's only like little things that can actually be the difference so I mean yeah what what fundamentally has changed in your time at the stags from when you first rocked up in 2018? Yeah it's just again it's um everyone buying into to what it looks like and and those and like uh, kind of like the the laws that you've got in place like no one that I know in, in, in rugby is racist or anything like that so don't get me wrong but you do have your cliques so you do have like the poly boys and that kind mm. of associating and kind of going off on their own thing and sitting all together and stuff like that and um, I'm quite good at mixing it with everyone so I can share with everyone and, and, and I see it all so like I could see that and I'm not saying that any of those Southern boys were racist or anything like that but there was definitely a divide in, yeah. in what was what was happening there. And um, and so, you know, I just laid it out, man. Like, let's just, like, let's just mix it with everyone. I want all of us to be genuine brothers, you know. Like, you can put on social media, these are my brothers, but then I can see it behind the scenes, you know. Like, mm. so let's be real. So, our, so 2020, you know, like, we beat the Magpies round one. Uh, we beat Harbour. We beat a couple few other teams, but then, so, you know, to kick the season off like that, and then Magpies went on to win the championship, Yeah, like, later on. So, you know, that was, like, massive for us, and massive for the province and the, and the boys and the coaches, and then it was like, oh, shit, like, you know, we didn't change much. We just changed, like, our perspective on things, and, like, that culture is really important, and, like, we believe that, like, we got the best culture in the comp, and after we beat the Pies and and um, like Harbour and the likes of those guys and then like play Canterbury or Tasman and actually like keep mm. up with those guys everyone like in our after match speeches if like the skippers were saying like oh we know it was going to be a tough battle we heard you guys got an unreal culture and like you guys fight hard for each other and the supporters themselves were saying you can see it on the TV you know like when someone does something great we're getting up each other and you know if something that someone does something like makes a mistake again we're getting them up we're picking them up so um, yeah that's just some of the things that we really focus on, I think it benefits for us. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I think for anybody, you know, I guess listening to this podcast now, they'll know if they've played in a team, how how much different it is, like when you actually look to your left and your right 
and you know that they've got your back. I mean, yeah, no. there, there always has to be an element of trust, right? Like, you know, if I'm sliding, I've got to, you know, I've got to back the guy on my inside. Otherwise, like, we're both not doing our jobs. But like you said, like when everyone's actually mingling and everyone's having a laugh together, it's funny how, you know, like in those, in those moments where you need to dig deep, how you seem to find it when everybody's, like you said, bought into um, the same cause, the same co-papa um, in comparison to ones where you're maybe like, oh, I'm only chatting to you because you're on my team. I don't actually you know, sort of mingle with you um, like I do with other boys in the group. But yeah, that's cool. And it, yeah, I, I, I guess, yeah, like you said, for, for a long time, you know, the stags were, you know, the whipping boys, so to speak, but that's definitely changed, like you said. And it's not only something that I've seen as a follower of the game, but it's also cool to hear that, you know, like you said, when you're playing the likes of Canterbury and you're in the sheds having a beer with the boys after a game, that they know that then themselves. But why don't you, why don't you take me back to the start, bro? Like, I'm interested to hear about, you know, your life and what's got you to, to where you are today and like where you've gotten all your passion for being a leader and, and your footy from. Um, and I know that you had a bit of an interesting upbringing to where like rugby wasn't even like that big a deal to you until you probably got to high school, bro. So um, yeah, take us back to a, a young Tony where you grew up and yeah, what pushed yeah, you towards nice. in rugby? Yeah, bro. So um, yeah, I was born in Timaru and I uh, grew up in Ashburton. Went to Ashburton Borough, uh, and that's where all my best mates were, and like they were all rugby players. And I didn't really give a shit about rugby. Eh? Like I just was like, wow. Like my dad didn't really like ever talk about it. It wasn't like massive about watching it. And my brothers like, my brothers played it, but I was just more like spectator. I was keen as just to watch my big bros just carve up on the field. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And then it wasn't until I was like massive in athletics. So I was pretty fast and. Um, really good at javelin and all that long jump and like I was just quite athletic I was very very athletic and um quite good at it um it wasn't until like one of my, my one of my really good mates uh Ben Bailey is my best friend from primary school and he was like oh it wasn't primary school it was like yeah high school it wasn't until I was about 13 14 until I started playing rugby and he was like oh why don't you play rugby and I was like um oh yeah sweet I'll yeah, if you guys need some numbers, yeah, it was what do I do? Just stand out on that wing, bro, and when you get the ball, just run to that line and score the try. But in my head, like I, I had a fair idea what I was up to. Yeah. But um, yeah, I just it just clicked for me, eh? And like uh, I just figured out I was pretty good at it. Being fast, I just I was scoring heaps of tries. And I like my first year of playing rugby, I made the Mid Canterbury Rep team for under 15s or whatever it was. And and then once like I hit puberty, and then I started getting bigger. Then the other guys that my age and um i was still really quick but i was a lot bigger and they're like ah oh, and they the coaches were like man you you like love getting stuck into the thick of things maybe we're chucking the loose forwards so they like put me at like number eight and um yeah just the rest is history man i just like loved it and i couldn't get enough of it and then um i was looking like i always watched my brothers and i knew they were all really good rugby players and my cousins and all that who were older than me and uh yeah like my aunties and uncle and my cousins and some of them from my mum's side live up here in Hawke's Bay and I was like oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go up there and like because I left school so I was like working for my like at that stage I was working for my brother and then I was like oh, I'm gonna move up there and go work for my uncle building and just play some club rugby up there and see what happens and then that very first year in under eight Hawke's Bay under 18 I made the Hawke's Bay under 18 under 18s team who had the likes of Michael Ruru, EIOS, Gillies Kaka, Gareth Evans, Brad Weber, Brendan Edmonds, Bronson Nera. Stacked. 
Yeah, bro, it was stacked. They eh? like, oh, Ben Tummy, Funo, Brody, Retallick. Uh, can't forget those guys. Um, Star Timu, who was the absolute freak back then. Yeah, bro, I was like, sorry if, if you boys are listening, I missed you out. But yeah, heaps of superstars, man. And um, I was the only kid in the under 18 team that wasn't in school. So all of those boys were like Hastings boys or Central Hawks Bay or Napier boys. And I was the only kid that wasn't <laughs> in school. I was on the tools, bro. So I was, I was a bit out of it. And I remember that year, like, Tom Coventry was the he, oh, he was the assistant coach of the Magpies and like he was uh, one of the coaches for the Hur- Hurricane Schools and he rang me up and he was like hey oh um you'd be keen to come down to the Hurricane Schools and come down to the camp and give a trial I was like yeah yeah man I'm keen that sounds cool as and then like end of the conversation he was like oh it's just before I let you go what school do you go to and I was like nah bro I don't go to school <laughs> oh, damn it nah you can't come oh, I stink so Ah, that was just a funny time in my life and I think back, man, imagine if I did make Hurricane School, maybe it would have been easier for me to, I didn't have to grind so hard to try and make Super Rugby, it might have just fallen into my lap like it does to some guys. Yeah, so yeah, I did like, and then Hawks Bay under 20s and I was playing for Havelock North Prems when I was 18, I think I started with them and so I was the, by far the youngest guy in the team and, and I made the Magpies when I was 20, I remember winning a Ramfilly Shield my first year and being the youngest guy in the team and um, I had to carry around the shield which was pretty cool and I had it strapped to me for like days on end <laughs> that was when I really got welcome to um, benders like full-on benders <laughs> so <laughs> hey, if, if I've got the shield and there's someone still awake I have to be awake so um, yeah bro and then I just like I never ever thought I was going to be a super rugby player not ever and I'm and I always like wanted to be a magpie but uh, when I say always, when I once I moved to Hawke's Bay, uh, I always wanted to be a Crusader or uh, um, Cantabrian yeah. back then, back in the day. But once I moved up here, it was Magpies. Uh, but uh, yeah, I never thought I was going to be Super Rugby. And then it was just, I felt like NPC was, uh, I don't want to sound cocky, but I felt like it was quite easy. When I mean easy, I mean like I wasn't missing tackles and I wasn't like making any mistakes. And, and I was like getting player of the match and, uh, I was getting like a lot of like um, support and like a lot of favor with like the crowds and stuff like that. And I was just like, oh, this, maybe it will happen. And then I just got a ra- random phone call from um, John Plumtree and Chris Boyd, and they were the coaches of the Hurricanes. This was 2015, and and I was like, what? Like this is out of it. And they were like, yeah, like we want you to come. Are you? Would you be interested in playing for the Hurricanes? I was like. Bro, does it be shit in the woods? Of course I'm, of course I'm keen. And like, so I went to the Hurricanes, um, not expecting to play a hell of a lot of games. I still, I was only 23 or something, or 24 or something. And um, and yeah, so yeah, I wasn't expecting to play a lot. But then Adi Seville was supposed to go to the um, Rio Olympics, mm. and oh, I can't remember if it was Rio. One of the Olympics was sevens, and um, and then it was just going to be me and Cullen Gibbons pretty much. And Cully and I were like very similar players, but he'd been in the team a long time. So I realised, oh man, I'm going to get some game time here pretty much every week. And then Artie got a whisper from the AEBs and was yeah. like, uh, <laughs> so he turned that down and then stayed. Um, so there's all my games, <laughs> you know, I, th- I played six games for them in the end. And yeah, so yeah, that was that. And the next year they changed the rules in the breakdown. And that was one of my bread and butters, eh? Like, turn over the mat. And they yeah, turned back they through the game changed day. it. So, 
You had to go Beautiful. through the gate and like kick the ball back. And it was just, it was yuck rugby, bro. And it just completely, I just had one of the worst years of my life. And I remember the Magpies, we had a real bad season. We won the first game against Stags and then that, and then we won the last game against Manor 2. And that's when I got in that massive fight and got red carded and stuff. Cause I was just so frustrated, bro. Like, I had this shit ass season and like, we're not winning that game. But yeah, I just I got a hold of this guy and just kind of got him on the ground. And the cameraman's just like zoomed in and I'm just, straight punches and elbows to the face <laughs> just ruthless and then uh red carded suspended for four weeks i managed to um probably shouldn't i can't, probably can't get in trouble for this anymore but i managed to like fake well it wasn't a fake contract but like i signed this contract with an american team for four weeks for four games so that i could then go straight to states and play international tests for them so i didn't have to miss four tests yeah. <laughs> so, and Will Rugby are like, yeah, now nah, seems legit sweet. So, like, I just missed four weeks of rugby and then just uh, went straight to the test rate, the test thing. So, yeah, bro. And then I played for the US and, um, like, oh, I, was, I made the US when I was at the Canes and I kind of had to really sit down with my age and I was like, like am I going to be an all black? Probably not. Like, I'm, I've never seen myself being good enough to be an all black ever. But I do like, believe in myself and I do know I do think I'm great but I just n- just never thought I was I'm not expected type like an Artie Sevier and the, the likes of Dolt Papali'i and um, Sam Kane and those boys so nah it wasn't was on the cards but my dad being American born and raised in America um, John Mitchell was the head coach at the time who was brother-in-laws with John Plumtree so they were pretty tight and so while I'm at the Canes I got hit up like you want to come play for the Eagles it's like I'll go, bro. I'm keen. And my first cousin was over there playing who played for the Blues and the Rebels and stuff. And I was like, I've always looked up to this guy. I always wanted to play with him. So, yeah, I'm keen. So, we went over there. Yeah, we had a meantime and won some few games. And that's when I really felt my game coming back. I was playing really well and stuff like that. Yeah, then we went to the World Cup uh, 2019. I had a really, really good World Cup, personally. Um, As an individual, I played really well in all of the games. Um after the England game or Tom Coventry messaged me before the before any of the games and we had England up first and he was like oh would you be interested in coming to the Blues like uh, I got a few other options but like um, I'll, I'll kind of get in touch with you at the end of um, the World Cup and I was like ah oh, yeah bro I'm keen as yep no sweet is so then I was just like I'm going to ball out so I was like I was going to ball out anyway but just had that extra little motivation eh? I was like this is mean like clutch people playing clutch moments so I was just like I need this I need this I'm gonna go hard so the first game against England I just had a blinder eh? I just like Billy Von Apola like the number eight ran it straight at me and I like sat him down it was like that was mean I got a few turnovers some big carries and um and they played like a full strength team because it was their first game as well so they were trying to have like kind of getting there trying to get their their number one team sorted yeah bro I just played mean and then like I got in the sheds and I was just like we lost by um, two or three tries in the end. We we were very close throughout most of the game until the last uh, 15, 20 minutes. And then, yeah, so I was having a beer in the sheds and then, yeah, I got this phone call and I'm like, oh, Tom Conchie, how's it going? And he's like, oh, yeah, I've just been at your game. I was like, oh, you in Japan? He's like, yeah, I was just at your game. I watched you. He's like, you are exactly what I need in my team. And I was like, say less, bro, on the team. So what's that about? Yeah, within about a week, I had it all signed up. And so I knew throughout the World Cup, I was going to go play for the Blues after that. The World Cup as a team for the US, I was pretty disappointed. Like, 
I really thought we were going to do really well. Like we trained so hard. We went to um, we went to Denver, Colorado, where it's like an altitude. So mm-hmm. we trained really hard in the heat and and hard to breathe. And so we went to the World Cup so fit. Uh, we had some good structure, good players, and I was just like, ah, this is a pretty good team. Like I expected us to beat Tonga at, at least, you know. And like especially after the first game against England, I was like, bro, I think we're going to do all good. Uh, and then against France, we were like, yeah, right on their tail the whole time by like a few points. And then yeah, the, again, the last 10 minutes just blew out and then lost against Tonga in the last game and then got thrashed by Argentina and then yeah, lost to Tonga in the last game. We were beating them the whole way through. And then Toulouse Vainu, who's one of my good friends I used to play with, the Mekos, he scored this Razzley try, just broke straight to the middle of the boys. And I'm just standing there watching Bo going, of course this happens. Of course it happens. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, yeah, and then I went to the Blues Bow, um, had an unreal experience. Uh, went trained hard throughout preseason and earned, like uh, Tom Coventry said, I was the number one seven at that stage and um, started the first game, scored the very first try of the 2020 Super Rugby season. So that was something very cool and something I'll never forget. And then week of after that like in the preseason game I split my head open against the Hurricanes and then played the Chiefs in the first round started that game and then I woke up one night like sweating and I was like well I couldn't sleep and I was like cold hot colds hot colds and I was like well I had to go to the hospital and they're like oh you've got this infection in your cut and my whole head but I didn't even know my whole head was just like a big sponge and it was disgusting eh? and then I was on a drip I was in the hospital for like two or three days and then from contrary to me I'll be like bro you're good like I want you to start this week. And I'm like, yeah, I'm keen. I'm starting 100%. Same place. Yep, same place. Sweet. I'm, I'm in. Don't worry. Blues doctor's like, nah, bro. You ain't playing. You've been on the trip. You've been on a, like a drop for like three days. There's just no way. And I was just like, me being me, I was like, fuck up, bro. I'm keen. Don't worry about that. And then um, we were playing the Waratahs in Sydney. And then uh, they were like, nah, look, we just made a call. We're just going to stay home. Sweet. It's all good. Stayed home. I think it was Blake. Blake Gibson started. Played mean, bro. Played mean. And I was just like stoked for him because he's one of my boys. But I was also like, there goes yeah. my spot, bro. <laughs> yeah, there goes my spot. But the biggest, the best thing about being in the Blues is like, you know, I could have gone there thinking like being a bit shy and stuff and like the Dolphin Pavaliti and Blake Gibson and those guys. And I could have just been happy with trying to be the, the third loose ball. But no, nah, like what, what I did, bro, I just put my best attitude and just went hard and it brought the best out in both of them and in Akira, like they were picking me towards the like towards the middle and the end of the season. Like Dolts was playing me at seven, so was Blakey, and they were picking me on the bench over Akira. And Akira did the same thing, bro. He just flicked that mindset and just become a beast. And just towards the end of the season, was playing outstanding. And then, um, and then made the ABs. You know, like um, he just yeah, just changed his whole mindset and. Um, that was awesome so and then Blake Gibson as well like he wasn't getting as many injuries and he was training he's always been a hard trainer like that that's him but he just said to me like bro this is like me it's bringing out the best in all of us like you're going hard you don't care like who's here like you know like you just want the best for uh, you know you just want to play and and you want what's best for the team and for the culture and that was another big thing like I went there and that was a big part of the culture I was and part of the team with um Tana Umanga and he was part of the culture group and I was the culture group and, and the defence and stuff like that as well. But um, yeah, the same thing, bro. I just kind of got rid of those those real cocky attitudes and like, yeah, we just were one, bro. Like we just had the meanest culture and unfortunately just 
because uh, of COVID, didn't get the win in the end with Crusaders and stuff like that. But I was supposed to be getting re-signed by them for another two years, and we were talking about it. And then we went into the lockdown, and I came back up here and um, up home. Uh, sorry, down from from Auckland. And bro, I just was like seeing all these other comps, the Premiership, um, top 14, everything was just getting completely axed. They were like cut it for the whole rear, like that was it. And I was like, oh, bro, we're in the same boat, man. And like they, we were supposed to be training every day and, and um, communicating in there. And um, basically, bro, I just clocked out. Eh? I was just like, no, we're not coming back. Like I didn't see the point in this. And everyone else was training hard. And I was lying to the trainers and saying I was doing this and that I wasn't. And then bro, it was like, oh, yeah, we're getting back together in a week. And I was like, I, bro, I'm so fat and so unfit right now. This is not right. This is not right. So I tried to train hard as and I, when I got there, bro, I was like five kilos heavier. My skinnies were way too high. I was unfit. I ran, we ran a Bronco and like me and Blakey um, had to run one the very next day for some, can't remember why. Um, but him being a loose forward, I just knew he was going to thrash me and he ran like a, 450 or 440 or something and I ran like a 535 or something he just carved me up man and it didn't help that I just seen him way in front I was slowing down giving up hey, I was just like damn it and then the Tom Conchie and Leon McDonald just like oh, shook their head and I was just like oh bro and then that was it man Leon McDonald pretty much made up his mind like if he can't put it if he hasn't got the, that tough mindset and wants to dig deep during lockdown then you know maybe he's just not like for us so they ended up just then the contract with the the ideas of signing me for another two years just went out the window and they ended up signing Dylan Hunt uh and uh yeah so 2021 they signed Dylan Hunt and uh he ended up turning there with a head knock and Tom Comtry rings me up and he's like hey but I've been trying to get I want you back like you know it's not me it's Neil McDonald but which I don't hold anything against Neil McDonald for that like I agree with the decision they made, you know, I, I stuffed up. I should have been training hard and all of that. So I've got no hard feelings towards them whatsoever. Um, and uh, yeah, Tom Comtry calls me up and he's like, oh, bro, are you like, would you be keen to come back? It's more than likely probably going to be for the rest of the year. So you'll be on a full gig, but we can't guarantee it straight away. So can you come for six weeks? And I said, nah, man, I'm getting surgery. I need the surgery. Uh yeah, and actually, so no, not at that stage. I, did, I didn't need surgery at that stage. I'll, he said, yeah, like he come, came to come for like six weeks. I was like, nah, I'm not coming for six weeks unless you put something directly in front of me. So they brought in Nico Jones, I think, and some other, uh, Adrian Choate. And then it was definite that Dylan Hunt was out for the rest of the season. And Tom Comitry rang me up and he's like, oh, look, he's out, you know, now we'll put you on a full contract. And um, Adrian, Choate, Adrian Choate and uh, Nico Jones would, um, they'll no longer be in the team, but they'll be like injury cover or whatever. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm pretty, pretty, pretty keen on that. I'll give you a decision in the next like week. And he's like, yep, sounds good. And I went to training that night, Severs training. Randomly, bro, had the ball running down the sideline, boom, ankle just blew out. And I was just like, hey, and I had to ring him, bro, I can't come. And then um, had to get surgery straight away. Uh, and then, yeah, Adrian Choke went in and now look at him, bro. He's, he's fully signed and playing um, alongside Dalton Pavali, so good on him. And yeah, he's taken his, his opportunity and he's done really well with it. Uh, and then, yeah, like I come into 2021 stag season, a um, little bit under underprepared. Like it's, I, I still wasn't ready to be running yet, but like I was trying to push things and hurry things along. And isn't the smartest idea for people listening out there, make sure you listen to your big surgeon and, and um, follow the rehab rules, man, because I was definitely pushing, pushing it way too hard. Uh, 
Yeah, but in, in the end, like managed to like push through every game, played every game, come off the bench against Targo in the first game. We were winning that all the way through, and then they scored a try in overtime to win it. Um, oh, bro, so that was one of those things. And then start every game after that. But and then same against Crusade, uh, Crusades Canterbury, beating them, and then uh, had to do Twinkos and because um, they end up scoring or kicking a penalty to to draw it up, and then went to overtime, and then. One of the boys dropped the ball in front of the line and they scrum, got a penalty kick three to win it. It was just like, oh, bro, like, oh. But um, like, oh, I think we won two or three games, but, yeah, like, we we only just lost pretty much every single game of ours apart from the Tasman game. We've got a bit of a whipping in the second half, but now nah, we, we've got something. It's, it's still there and, you know, there's some guys that have left and some new guys coming in and but I'm looking forward to 2022 season. I haven't signed yet, but... um. Yeah, I had a bit of a mishap. Uh, I don't know if you guys seen that, but had a bit of a mishap drinking one night and um, pulled over. Uh, I got uh, went through a breath stop and got done DIC pretty pretty much only just over the limit. But um, hey man, it was my own fault. I should have known better. And um, so yeah, like at the at the time, I didn't tell anyone about it. I was really scared and really worried because um, it was it was before the season had started. So I, I didn't want you know, to go out in the paper and people to be looking at me thinking I'm a bad example or anything like that. So I just didn't tell anyone, just kept my mouth shut the whole season. And then, um, I don't know how these these uh, journalists figure this shit out, man, but they found it, bro. They they went and looked through everything and found it all. So, yeah, and it was in the paper the next day. And then, then I had court because I got all the, I got the court dates and it changed to when I had to move back home. So I, I stood in my license the whole year uh, with um, with the stags, and I had a contract with Ford New Zealand, so I was just like, "Oh, bro, these guys are gonna hate me because I've I've been done doing driving in one of their vehicles." Like, oh man, it was just shocking. So I was really embarrassed, and I still am pretty embarrassed, you know. Like, it's one of those things that um, one of those mistakes that you make, and um, you know, there's always going to be some pretty upset people about it, and and for that, I'm really sorry. And um, but I, I think it's just time for me to move on and get over it and uh, look for 2022 season. But um, yeah, well, when we, I haven't signed or re-signed with them or announced anything because um, yeah, I just thought I'd give it some breathing time and, and just wait a while until, yeah, until the kind of dust settles and uh, hopefully everyone forgets about it by then. 100% bro. Um, and as you've touched so on... Sorry, that, sorry that's a long story, bro. That's my <laughs> career, bro. That's a, yeah, I've been doing it 11 years, man. So um, yeah, it's a, a bit of a story eh no bro absolutely and bro no need to apologize that's what i called you on the show to do bro was talk about your career and everybody would rather hear it from the horse's mouth than from mine um but like i said as you've touched on you've gone to a few different places over the course of your career obviously like making the call to shift up to the bay um for greater rugby opportunities and then i mean like just it came to my head i'm like you should have said you were homeschooled so that you could have gone to the hurricane schools camp and maybe your career might have turned out a little bit differently and then you have different opportunities pop up and like you said, some of them, you have some mishaps maybe through like your inaction, but then also through just untimely injuries and whatnot. So I guess like for, for me, looking at, at what you've just told me, bro, was just, it, it's funny how like you can go from sort of top of the pops to then hitting low points and then thinking things are going to come back to normal and then you don't, then we have, you know, like a worldwide lockdown and then, you know, you take a couple of weeks off and you maybe you dig into the Maccas and then it's like, oh, no, things are back on and everything's so chopping and changing. Um, 
And to be fair, bro, you've actually thrown out a few of my questions because you've, you've pretty much answered them all um, as part of your spiel. <laughs> but just thinking off the top of my head, like how how was that? Like, are you a pretty cruisy guy? Like, when it comes to like lifestyle, I know that you've said you're not you're not big on the flashy stuff. So, has been dealing with the ups and downs of a rugby career been something that you've sort of just rolled with the punches on, or is it something that you've had to continuous continuously work on to actually you know find peace? with whatever comes your way because I know for a lot of guys like even for someone like myself who hasn't had the rugby career you know I'm quite organized and I like having all my stuff in place and I like settling um in different settings whereas it doesn't really sound like you've been afforded that so like how have you come to deal with that and ultimately it's led to where you are now where you know you're making decisions with one eye to the future while also you know trying to want to play rugby but yeah can you talk us through maybe you know like what you went through early in your career to where you are now yeah, man. Um, yeah, I guess. Um, yeah, I am a cruisy person, but it definitely wasn't um, like gifted to me or born into me because, um, yeah, like when I was with the Canes and then didn't get re-signed, like I took it real hard, and I like, um, I I thought I had a really good year with them in terms of growth and 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 mingling, mixing, mingling with them, and I felt like I had a real good position in that team and. Um, to not get re-signed, I took it real hard, and I actually ended up going through a bit of um, like mental, like mental stuff. So I was like quite struggling with like um, anxiety and just like freaking out, and um, and like when it come down to it, I knew what it was, like why. But when I was in that moment, I didn't know why. I was just thinking, mm. I'm going crazy, man. Like, what's wrong with me? I'm thinking like. I'm thinking I just want to stay in bed. I'm like, I don't want to train. I don't want to, like, I don't want to do, give anything 100% or anything like that until I started seeing a professional and, um, and like, talking about it and, and I could come down to it. Like, yeah, that's, like, that's why, like, I have these massive high expectations and I, I know I'm a good player, but why isn't this happening for me? Excuse me. So, yeah, it, took, it did take me a while, man. Like, it took me a good couple of years to, to even three years to like really kind of come to grips and relax and just chill out and realize that um that uh, everything I just believe like everything happens for a reason man like mm. like that's what I truly do believe that like everything happens for a reason and I feel like I wouldn't be the man I am today if that hadn't happened to me like I went through the trenches man and I was I had some dark thoughts I, I never had that um, like depression or, or like um, that suicidal stuff. I never was like that, but I can see how you could get into that into that state. So um, I, uh, yeah, I learned a lot from it, man. Like uh, like being a Christian and and um, my my family being religious. You know, my one was something that my dad said to me that really helped me. Like throughout that was God gives us toughest battles to his toughest um, soldiers. And I was like, you know, I'm going through the toughest battle, but I'm the toughest soldier, so I can smash through this. I know I can mm. get through it. And and it did help people like my dad and uh, my family and my wife to really help me with with those things. And um, um, and don't get me wrong, like there's some times where I'm feeling stressed out at work, and I, and and yeah, you do get a little bit anxious and stuff like that. But it's nowhere near compared to what it used to be like. But uh, but I have those tools, and I know what I need to do to kind of counteract that and um, counterattack it you know, I should say or something like that you know like um, so like if I was to give any advice like for some guys listening that are going through anything like that, I think like 
um take day take it day by day man like i think like just be comfortable with your in your skin and comfortable with who you are and and don't be so um like like yeah you can have your goals for sure like everyone should have goals and stuff like that but like don't be so sold on them and, and, and expect them to happen and if they don't like you know be so cut and hurt about it um i think like it's time to oh, okay what can i do better then to mm. help kind of um achieve that goal so um yeah now i'm a much crazier person i think like i don't i don't care so much what other people think anymore it's more like i'm just i'm happy with what i am i know i'm a good player if it doesn't happen then sweet man i've got plan b i've got plan b set up i've got my company now um and and i've gotten to a point in my career where back in the day i would have been like hey super rugby hit me now where can i sign now i'm like is the money right or is it like what, what cities are in like is it going to help benefit my family um how am i going to get someone to look after my company stuff like that so a lot of thought goes into it it's not a definite and i don't and at the end of the day once i said no to those teams i just said like in my head i was like oh that's all good like i'm content with being a builder and i know i'll go play for the staggies or you know whatever and um and and just go hard like that's mm. that i get i get my um i get my pleasure in in playing for my club rugby team and playing for the stags but I, I just want to win and play as good as best i can for the stags um and then i just want my company to be successful i want my kids to enjoy life and, and enjoy school time and um, enjoy their families up here and because once i moved up here like everyone followed me eh? like all my brothers and my mum and dad and that were like this place is gangster. Why are we in this cold shithole down there? Why don't we come <laughs> move up to the Sunny Hawks Bay, bro? And the old man sold his farms and just moved up and pretty much retired up here. Eh? So, yeah. Unreal. Yeah, it's interesting, eh? I mean, you, you can apply your wisdom, you know, to life in general, not just in the rugby space. How when you think back to like who you were a couple of years ago and you're like, man, if only I knew everything that I know now how much easier life would have been or like how many more opportunities yeah. and how many doors would have opened. But like you said, yeah. it's not until you go through those tough times that you're, that you actually learn things. I mean, it's one thing like, for example, like your, your parents or your wife or your friends can tell you like, bro, this is how it's going to be. You need to look at it through this lens. And you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I know. I know. I get it. But you don't. Um, no, nah, exactly. And yeah, like you said, uh, I mean, it, it's cool to hear now that you're content with, you know, the life that you're living. Um, and, and like you said, like there must have been stages of your career where it's just like rugby, rugby, rugby. But, you know, the shift or the focus has shifted to where it's not just rugby. And maybe not, it doesn't sound like you ever defined yourself as a rugby player, but, you know, you, you came to grips with who you are and maybe not putting rugby on the pedestal that a lot of young guys go through. Because, I mean, it's a very interesting industry, you know, like me and you now, um, maybe not so much you as a builder, but, you know, with me working in a desk job, you know, I rock up and if I have a bad day or I drop the ball, you know, like everyone gets in around me and supports me. And, I mean, that happens in the rugby space. Your coaches are always going to back you. But like you said, if you have a bad game, like you're dropped or you've got someone who's mm. nipping at your heels and comes and takes your position. So when you talked about like having those anxious moments and that self-doubt that creeps into your head and then having those days where you don't want to do anything, you know, like I have those, but then, you know, I have that support coming through and I don't really have to worry about anybody coming in and taking my job. Whereas with you, if you choose those moments not to train 
and then something doesn't work out you know with your team training the next day you know things only get amplified because you know the snowball keeps rolling um yeah so yeah i mean yeah it's it's always I mean, what i like to do when i get guys like yourself on i like to pick your brain because you know it's such a young age because i mean like i mean really i mean it's you know i know you've got a family and a lot of guys have families young and whatnot but you know you're still sort of growing and i guess like coming to terms with like who you are as a person and it's actually quite sure. a lot of pressure for, for kids these days who are going into those rugby environments where they get handed a lot of money a lot of responsibility um the fame that comes with it but they really still have no idea if you get what i mean yeah and and like you said like what i what probably like what a lot of their mates are doing while they're at uni or they're getting jobs is totally different and a lot of people and a lot of times like you can't really there's no way i could relate to you you know like 25 year old you as a rugby player because i feel like they're just two different worlds it is uh, definitely like like you you hit the nail on the head man like obviously like you said there's no one um really you know you drop the ball and it's all good you got people to support you and then you don't have anyone taking your job the next day, you know? So, um, yeah, that, that's a massive difference, I think, to a desk job and to the rugby. People think, you know, from the outside, they don't understand rugby or don't understand the professional side of it. Um, oh, you live in the dream. Yeah, we do say that. We are living the dream because that's what we've always wanted to do and that's our dream. But, you know, it, it does come with its it's ups and downs for sure, mm-hmm. man, like injuries, um, selection, um, all sorts of other things that are, that are massive in that, in that sort of things. And um, it is really, you know, I hate that comment, like, oh, just suck it. You know, like there's a lot of people like, oh, what's he got to cry about? He's living, he's got, he's been paid all this money to play rugby. Like, why is he depressed? Why is he going through these mental um, issues and stuff like that? He's got nothing to be worried about. Like, no, nah, man, you got it completely wrong. It's just we're just like the rest of us, but um, just different. And it's a lot. There is a lot of pressure um, in it. But I've always, I've always been one of those guys because I've gone through that stuff myself. So I'm always open about it. I never hide. I never, um, I never try and like, yeah, like like I said, like hide or um, or like not really open myself to like any of that. So like. For instance, um, Solomon Alamalo, like, you know, he came out with that stuff, you know, struggling with depression and stuff. And, you know, that stemmed from um, some stuff that happened in his past, but also um, rugby, like selection, also injuries and haters. Man, there's some haters out there, man. And like sending him some ruthless messages, like ruthless messages, stuff like, um, you suck, you, you're not a, you, how do you call yourself a rugby player? Like, you should go hang yourself and shit like that. Like, it's disgusting, man. And like, it, it's just so bad. And so as soon as like that came out and I found that Solly was signed for Stags, I reached out to him and like, I just didn't know, like, bro, I'm always here for you to chat to, you know? And there's those days that, you know, there was a couple of days where Solly was just, you could tell wasn't quite himself. And, you know, I'd come up to him and chat to him and, no, you're good, bro. He's like, oh, just, you know, I was having one of those days. I'm like, bro, end of the day, it's just one of those days. And how many of those days did you have? Oh, heaps. Did you get through it? Of course I did. Sweet. Bro, I'm right here with you. Let's just make the most of it. You know, let's just get through this training. Let's go for a swim in the ocean after that. And um, at least jump on the on the video games and jam out or go to the pub for a beer or something. You know? and, 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 you know, and it's just gone just like that. So, um 
I've always been one of being one of those guys with the the mental side of things and the pressure of rugby and trying to help the younger guys understand that, yeah, you aren't you aren't Solomon Alo Malo, the rugby player. You're Solomon Alo Malo, um, the family man, the guy that's um, as you know aspire as, aspired to be like a businessman and like um, all these other things, you know. Um, so you're not defined as as just Solomon Alo Malo, the rugby player, or Tony Lamb, the rugby player. I'm Tony Lamb, the builder, the husband, the um, the family man, the uh, I like diving, fishing, hunting, you know. Mm. so yeah i just if i can if i could give advice to some of these guys listening that, that struggle with the pressure and stuff like that i just would say just take it day by day enjoy it have fun um, that's the biggest thing have fun but don't make rugby everything bro. get out there man like find some other hobbies some passion look for like life after rugby stuff because you know we all we don't have this forever you know like when i was at the blues i did a um i did my level two coaching course so i can coach pretty much at every level um so you know maybe once the business is just fully operating like a well-oiled machine um you know maybe once the kids are a little bit older we can start traveling again and coaching or you know got coaching the magpies or something like that or start with my team here, the village, you know. Um, so, yeah, again, that's the best advice I could give the guys listening. Yeah. Do you think that, you know, New Zealand rugby and super rugby teams invest enough in the mental side of things? Like, I know that the All Blacks have Gilbert Anoka, who's gone on record and talked about the stuff that he's done with the All Blacks psyche, especially around, you know, the up until we won the World Cup and making sure these guys are actually functioning well in their head um, along with what they do with their training and their skill set and whatnot um, because I feel like there are a lot of guys that I know who are hearsing players but for whatever reason maybe you know like they said they they chose the partying lifestyle while they were too young and missed out on opportunities but I know a lot of guys that crack it but they don't have the self-confidence and I, and I know that like it, it's it's like a give and take relationship right I hope I'm using that term properly to where you have to believe in yourself and you know like you can have all the support in the world but if you don't believe it yourself like you're never going to crack it but I feel like there are a few guys like you said who maybe have those tough times and then if they don't have that support network around them they maybe fall by the wayside or like you know coaches don't pick up on you know a, a player having an off day and don't give them the support that they need you know they they just flog them and perhaps that's the wrong way to go yeah. about it because some guys aren't as receptive with it. Like, because you, you've said yourself, yeah. like, you, you've come to terms and, you know, like you've learned along the way. And I mean, like you said, you're a pretty upbeat guy and you've already, and you seem like you roll with the punches, but some guys aren't like that. Do you get what I mean? Mm. Yeah. Um, going back to you first, but I think like rugby today is is very good with the mental side of things. I think that New Zealand rugby does spend a lot of money on the um, on the um, mental health side of things and getting like getting the right people involved. Like every team has a um, PDM, so your player development manager, who um, is on top of most things. I think that if there's any issues going on, it's actually down to the individual. I think um, they in their head think that they. Uh, can't get the help or they, they're not um, you know none of that is going to help them um, but 
you know, there definitely is the right the right things in place and the right um, amount of help throughout every team that I've ever been in. Like, there's all of the all of the teams have um, people that you can talk to, and also, you know, like your boys, your boys, you, your culture should be good enough to be like. But if my mate, like, it's happened heaps of times, like, especially when you're having your big, like, your end of your bender and, you know, like, alcohol takes over and your emotions come out. But, you know, like, sometimes that brings out, you know, what they're, how they're really feeling. And, like, I've had some of my mates just crying on my arm, you know, and that's how, you know, that's how it should be. Like, it shouldn't take them to get wasted to, to do that. But, mm. you know, like, um, it should be, like, you should be able to ring up your man, like, bro, ah the coach said something to me or um, I've seen something on social media about me and it's, it's cut me deep, man. Like, you know, that's how it should be. And like, I've always felt comfortable doing that. You know, like I've never felt, um, when I say never, ever since I've kind of um, realised what, what mental health is and gone through it and then come out the other side of it, um, it's definitely, yeah, like I've, every team since then, I've always felt like, bro, I could call anyone in my team, especially like, guys my age or like in the leadership group that's where it should come from you know like talking to those guys but again going back to your first question there is there is um enough support in teams and and in the professional environment um club rugby obviously mm. you've got to have you've got to have those to be able to pay to have those type of people in place but um all it's basically law and New Zealand rugby to have um the the psychs and stuff like that yeah. mental health guys yeah well, it's good to hear, bro, because, yeah, as you'd know, and I mean, well, I mean, I guess anybody knows, like, if if you're firing on all cylinders, especially with whatever's going on in your head, um, more, you know, like nine times out of 10, that's going to result in some better play on the field, which ultimately leads to better times all around, bro. Um, yep. But yeah, uh, sure. like I said, like uh, midway through our pod, bro, um, you sort of knocked off a lot of the questions that I was looking to ask with, the, with that first part answering, um, or, you know, like enlightening us uh, with where your career's taking you, my man. Um, so yeah, I don't, I, I love it actually. Like this is this one of the the cool things when I have these conversations like yourself, you know, I do all the prep and I, I think that, you know, I'm going to go through this bit by bit. But, you know, like life, bro, like as, as we've talked about already, you know, it throws you curveballs um, and you just have to um, just readjust and adapt and reassess where you're at um, and roll with it, bro. Um, so, yeah, I think that's everything that I've wanted to get from your career today, as well as getting some insight into how that shaped your life and, you know, pulling back the curtain as to what happens with different rugby teams, bro. But before I let you go, um, I like to finish my podcast with two segments. Uh, the first part being, can you take us through your game day routine? Um, so now it's, I don't have one anymore. Uh, but basically I'll, I'll, I usually, I like to eat pasta the night before. So that, that, that's a big thing for me. I'll, I'll literally get an Uber and find the nearest, like, um, um, cabinet, chicken carbonara or something like that. Like it has to be pasta or like something along like that similar. Mm -hmm. Um, but about uh, other than that, man, it's, it's nothing. So again, like I learned to relax. I learned to not um, be so caught up and like rely on that sort of things. Like me and my one of my best friends, Gareth Evans. Like we used to be so caught up on putting the lift for the, the lift sock on first and tying the shoelace, and then um, but 
like walking down the footpath and if you step on can't skip step on a crack bro like yeah. bad luck for the game that game or you know like but now because i've gone through all that stuff and i've learned to relax and just chill and like not think so in depth into it i don't really have one honestly i don't bro. i don't have any routine i just i strap i strap my hand and i write my wife's um, name and my boy's name on my on my wrist and um i put a little cross on uh, on above my um my uh, uh my lifting tape and my shorts cover it so uh, i'm not trying to hide it but it's just you know just so it's not like you know some guys just put the big cross <laughs> on there the real obvious but no, just a couple of little things here and that's it oh okay other than that bro i'm just cruisy man cruisy as per all right well that that was quick um and yeah over to my last point it's a segment i like to call 10 in the bin so i just got 10 quick five questions for you my man and you just answer them yeah. uh with whatever comes to mind first all right Sorry. number one what's your muster on a day off uh sleep Great i love job. a midday nap midday nap uh what's your go-to vessel on a night out uh spates Ooh, ultra low carb or do you prefer just the full cream mother's milk bro. <laughs> full cream mother's milk it's been it's been embedded into me ever since playing for the stag bro that's my dream <laughs> state don't go wrong all right uh biggest coach's pet you've been around in your career just biggest coach's pet yeah bro did you say is that what you yeah. said mm-hmm. uh uh oh hugh renton Great lad, great lad, former guest of mine. He is um, a great man. Yeah. He is a great man. Top man. Uh, what's your go-to cheat meal? McDonald's. Ooh, what's your order? Um, large Mac attack combo with a chicken McCheese on the side, but they don't make the chicken McCheese anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's uh, a good bro. thing, bro. Maybe cheap, that's a good thing. Meal anymore. Bro, that ain't cheat meal for me anymore, bro. Oh, that's <laughs> a daily. <laughs> Shady lifestyle, baby. Um, who was your childhood idol? Uh, was Brad Thorne. Great, great lad. Oh, I've got a I've got a side note here, bro. And it was from the TV segment that you did with Sky Sport. I picked up on the fact that you said that you had no idea who Richie McCall was when you were at high school. How was that possible? Oh, I just I, like I said, I never watched rugby. I didn't know. And like he turned up to our school. And did this like training course with um with like uh, a PE or like no no it was mid Canterbury but like I played rugby but I never watched it so I was like I was playing rugby at, like 14, 15, but I never watched any of that shit and like he came and gave, gave did like a training um day with um, like the under fifteens mid Canterbury team and Richard McCall was there running it and I I just said no idea I was like oh. and then like all the kids are like oh Richard McCall I was like who and then like uh like a year later like the whole crusaders team came to our school at um ashburn college and did a training session there and i was just like but everyone's going crazy over these guys i don't even know who these guys are man had no idea <laughs> and then I, like and then i was like kind of like jumped on bandwagon and i was like oh crusaders oh yeah you know, three years went to a game like my dad took me to a game that's what it's all about oh, yeah sweet and i was massive fan of Greg Somerville, Tony Woodcock, Brad Thorne, McCaw, Carter, um, like all the Canterbury lads. <laughs> um, yeah, who else? Bro? Like, yeah, that was about it. Like, that really stood out to me back then. 
Chris Jack. I used to love Chris Jack, bro. The big <laughs> rake. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I don't know. That just stuck out for me, like the fact that you would have been a fucking hissing player and you had no idea who Richie McCall was. Bro, that's crazy, eh? And like, mm-hmm. and my nephew to this day, you could say, uh, 2019, wearing the 12 jersey for Crusaders, he'd be like, uh, Ron Crotty, you just nail it. Or like, yeah. way back in the day. Yeah. He's like eight years old, he just nail it. I'm just <laughs> like, bro, I, I had no idea. I had no idea. Bro, two different worlds, two different worlds. All right, uh, question number six. Uh, what's your go-to travel destination or where's a spot in the world that you want to go to that you haven't been to yet? The Maldives. Mm, yeah, I'd love to go there. That'd, that'd be cool. Yeah, once the world opens back up, eh, and the, the well oiled machine's bringing in the dough. Um, yes, bro. <laughs> who's the cheapest teammate you've been around? Um, oh... Bro, I've come across a few. I've, I've, there's a few tight gorse pockets out there. Gorse um, pockets. Bro, oh, that's it's not a quick fire because I really got to think about because I've got a few one, few in my mind, eh? Bro, um, oh, James Hildebrand, he's pretty tight. He's like he's up there, so he's a guy. He's one of the hookers for the US team, but he's an Aussie. He's an Aussie guy. He's one of the big dogs for Paladin. He runs Paladin now, so oh, he's like one of the big dogs. Yeah, but he is a tight human, bro. Like, <laughs> nah, don't spend a dime. Like, he'd be like, oh, he'd be like, go to the bar and be like, yeah, buying a big round for the boys. And then, but he's like, oh, bro, chuck it on that guy there, his tab. <laughs> and then you go to the end, you're like, hey, I'm sure I only had like four or five rounds and I've got like an extra like three or four on there the hell's going on and you just see him just like walking down the street bro no nah, i paid as i went hey you fell in bro. <laughs> um yeah oh bro yeah gareth no. evans gareth evans is pretty tight bro but he's just right real smart with his money man like i'm big on like i won't take lunch to our training session to our training session that day because i'm like oh, i want to go to sushi with the boys mm. whereas gareth he brings yogurt Pack a little lunch. I'm like, nah, nah, bro. Uh, but he can be very generous. Something, you know, he'd be on the mm. list. He can be good. Mm. But he, he'd like, yeah, I think it's he just brought up right. <laughs> bro, maybe I should have gone through that treatment as well. Things would have turned out uh, a little bit differently. Um, who's the artist or song in your Spotify at the moment that you've got on repeat? Sticky Fingers, How to Fly. Classic. Um, who's yeah. the biggest grub you've played with or against? Uh, Dan Coles. Yeah, I think he's probably been the most, more the most heavily voted whenever I've asked that question. Um, yeah. and last yeah. one, my man. I've been, I've been, I've been the biggest grub, grub in a few of my guys. <laughs> <laughs> like my mates were like, "Are oh, you the biggest grub I've come across?" I'm that guy that I'll look any excuse to get you back. I'll, <laughs> I'll fuck you up, bro. You deserve it. Yeah, bro. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) All right, my man. Last question. Uh, You just got to finish the sentence for me. Saturdays are for? The boys. Is the missus left the room? (laughs) Nah, she's here. She's just got enough. She's up. She's there. Love it, bro. I love okay. it. Big on culture. Big on culture. The boys. Yeah, massive. Uh, 
Um, well, as anyone who's listening to this, um, after I've recorded and gone and done all the editing, um, you'll know that from my laughter, I've had a lot of fun uh, with this conversation. As I mentioned, didn't go the way that I thought it would um, with all my preparation, but like a lot of the best things in life, um, they're unaccounted for. And like um, I've come to learn um, from life and, and from you after this chat, bro, you just have to, to reassess and just be as adaptable as possible, man. Um, but yeah, very, very grateful for your time. Very grateful for the insight over the um you know what goes into a rugby team and like what you've taken out of the game of footy um i wish you all the best um with whatever's to come for you in 2022 um with the building and whatever comes from the rugby and yeah if i'm ever in the bay bro um maybe i might run into you Check at out. a pub and i have to shout you a spades 100 <laughs> cheers king Legend, bro. Bro. catch you later see ya